Very good. Because I love, I know you better. Because I love, we are together. Because I love, you have my heart. Because I love, we'll have a part. Welcome to the Original Doll. If this is your first time here, welcome. If you're a returning guest, welcome back. My name is James Rodriguez. This is the Original Doll, where I unpackage music with the people who create it. We go behind the scenes and learn all about the stories behind these icons and their iconography. And at the same time, we give back to charity. For more information, visit the website, theoriginaldoll.com. And a big shout out to all my Patreon patrons. Thank you so much. Because of you, we've been able to keep this going. Appreciate the support. Now, in this episode, we're going to be continuing our facts and flowers sections, where I go back through the anniversaries. In 2023, we're going to be celebrating the 20th anniversary of Britney Spears' In the Zone album and Janet Jackson's Janet Period album, the 30th anniversary, along with so many others. But I want to go through and talk about the impact because I dig through those radio logs, those archives, those databases globally to remind people that. These artists had success when they came out and continue to have success now. And as with every episode of the original doll, any audio recording ripping stealing is strictly prohibited in every country in the world. So if you see anyone posting any snippets, please let them know to remove it and report it to the webmaster. Now we're going to get right to my theme song, Iconography. My name is James Rodriguez. This is the original doll. <laughs> the original doll. Oftentimes when I give kind of flowers and facts about so many icons, specifically women in the music industry, for some reason that really triggers a lot of people and they get very upset. Uh, I don't know why that is, maybe just unhappiness. But I continue to honor all of these great artists all the time because what they've done is they've created such a lane for themselves and changed pop culture the way we see it. Now, as we talk about hashtag Janet 30, let's talk a little bit about where Janet Jackson was before this. We already know she had super success with Rhythm Nation. And in a future episode, I'm going to be breaking down all of Rhythm Nation. But we know how big that was just commercially, award-wise. But it also was an album that had political statements, social statements, a concept album. It had dance songs. It had so many things. And that truly started letting us, the consumers, the listeners of her music, the Jan fam, the Janet Jackson family, really get to get a well-rounded figure of Janet Jackson, that she wasn't one-dimensional, that she wasn't just, here's my poppy dance song, that's it, good to go. Janet has been able to give us so many things in such a diverse discography. And this Janet album, her fifth studio album, was no different. Now, here's some fun information about the Janet album. Back in the 90s, it went number one in Australia, Canada, New Zealand, UK, and the US. It went gold in over nine countries and is platinum in Hong Kong, Japan, and New Zealand. Two times platinum in Australia and the UK, three times platinum in Canada, shout out to Kelly Alexander, six times platinum in the United States. And here, going through all sorts of archives, I found out that the Janet album went three times platinum in five months. That is right. 
It would go on to have number one singles, platinum singles, and really change the game for many artists afterwards. Now, many of you know I interview songwriters and producers, backup vocalists, uh, vocal producers who worked with Kylie Minogue, Madonna, Britney Spears, so many others. When I talked about specifically Britney Spears, a lot of the collaborators talked about how Britney Spears really looked at Janet Jackson as somebody that she idolized, admired, and really followed her through her entire career. There are times when I talk to some of the producers and they would say, you know, Britney said, I really want this kind of escapade sounding song, or I really want this, that's the way love goes sounding song. So it became a point that Janet Jackson impacted music so much that other artists were referencing her song saying, I kind of like that vibe. I kind of want to go that way. And what Janet Jackson did by releasing That's the Way Love Goes as the first single was really go against the grain. We, you know, for the Janet Jackson family, some of the stuff you'll know. For those newcomers, this is what I love, getting new ears on old songs and facts. When Janet Jackson was deciding the lead single, the label said, let's go with If. Let's get it started really crazy. Let's go out there. Let's go in your face. And for a moment, Janet Jackson debated, you know, doing that. But ultimately, she decided to release That's the Way Love Goes, which was so different to do. Usually your lead single, boom, in your face, let's go. If at that time would make sense to release. But Janet Jackson, somebody who took, I hate using this pun a lot, but took control over her creativity, her artistry. And that's we got, well, that's the way love goes. So we're going to go through track by track with this. And we're going to talk because some of these songs, including interludes, have charted on their own. Remixes charted on their own. So I'm going to go through all of the interludes, songs, bonus tracks, and more as we celebrate Janet 30 with the deluxe edition coming out. Now, in some of the in places of some of the album versions, I'm just placing a remix in there. So be prepared to hear remixes that maybe you're not familiar with, but that will ultimately be on the deluxe edition. Now we're going to start out with Morning, the interlude. What many people know is that Janet Jackson, especially Rhythm Nation, we really got to see the utilization of interludes. Now Morning, the interlude, went number one on the iTunes dance charts in 2020, and it went number two on the All Songs charts in 2020. This is Morning. We had the kind of night where morning comes too soon. We used the light from a flickering candle across the room to make the kind of shadows that only one thing could make. Love. Up next is the lead single from Janet, That's the Way Love Goes, which happens to have been a Grammy winner for Best R&B Song. Now, other artists and songwriters nominated in that category, Luther Vandross, Tevin Campbell, Babyface, Tony, Tony, Tony. That's right. In addition... That's the Way Love Goes would get Janet Jackson nominated for R&B vocal performance. Do you know who else was in that nominated group? Tony Braxton, Aretha Franklin, Whitney Houston, and Patti LaBelle. So when we talk about Janet Jackson's vocal skills, let's remind people she was nominated along with these amazing artists. Now, That's the Way Love Goes is two times platinum in the United States, silver in the UK, platinum in Australia, and gold in New Zealand. And this is how well it did. Back in the 90s, it went platinum in three months when people still had to physically go to the store to purchase the, the single. It went number one in the US, Canada, UK, and Australia. It was on the Hot 100 at number one for eight weeks. Radio songs number one for 10 weeks. Hot R&B hip-hop songs for four weeks at number one. 
and the Billboard Pop Airplay number one for nine weeks, R&B Hip Hop Airplay songs for 10 weeks at number one. Number one, U.S. Dance Club songs, number one rhythmic airplay for three weeks, and it tied as her longest running song in that chart with Again, If and You Want This. Sales-wise, it went number one on the hot R&B hip hop single sales for three weeks, number one on the dance single sales for four weeks. And just last year, it would peak at number 15 on the R&B hip hop digital song sales and number five on the R&B digital song sales. Since 2020 on iTunes, it went number one in Moldova, Lithuania, and Latvia, and it would chart on iTunes in over 35 countries. Now, the remix that I'm going to play is my favorite remix from this song, and that would be the CJ R&B 7-inch mix, which would go number one in Granada, and it would chart in over 12 countries. And here's what's great. The Macapella version of it went and charted in four different countries. We aims to win mix, or mix two, I should say went and charted in three different countries since 2020. A lot of information I'm giving you, and there's a reason why. This is That's the Way Love Goes. Like a moth to a flame burned by the fire. Fire, 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 fire. My love is blind, can't you see my desire? That's the way love goes. Up next, we have You Know the Interlude, which charted on iTunes in France in 2021. Additionally, the song You Want This would go gold in the United States in less than three months, and it would peak at number three on the rhythmic airplay charts. And as many of you know, I was just in Costa Rica and did a video about this. You Want This went number one on iTunes in Costa Rica and since 2020 has charted on over six different iTunes charts worldwide. You know you want me. And this is the remix featuring MC Light. Up next is the interlude, Be a Good Boy, which happened to have charted on iTunes in France in 2021. Be a good boy and put this on. Up next, we have If, which went number one in Canada and in the U.S. back in the 1990s. It is platinum certified in the United States. It went number one for two weeks on the U.S. Dance Club songs and 
just last year, in 2022, it would peak at number 12 on the U.S. dance electronic digital song sales. And since 2020, it has gone number one in over 11 countries on iTunes. Yep, that's right. Additionally, since 2019, IF has charted on iTunes in over 60 countries worldwide. Now, here's a little bit about some of these remixes. The Tease Freeze Mix would be on eight different iTunes charts worldwide. Then, the D&D 12-inch, four iTunes charts. The Brothers in Rhythm Swing Your Pants Mix, four different iTunes charts since 2019. And at the end of this episode, you can hear my interview with producer Steve Anderson, who is part of Brothers in Rhythm. This is IF. Next, we have This Time, featuring opera singer Kathleen Battle. Now, this song is almost seven minutes long, and it does exactly what Janet Jackson, Jam and Lewis have been able to do, incorporate so many different genres, so many different flavors into this. Now, when you listen to the lyrics, This Time, I'm Not Gonna Stay This Time, You've Gone Too Far, basically saying, I'm Done With You. And what the genius of the trio was able to do with this is truly carry Kathleen Battle's voice as this other instrument in this song. And as you listen, there's this growth in there. And then this is once again, one of those moments in which you go, what genre is this? What is What are they doing? Because they keep incorporating so many different things. Is it opera? Is it New Jack Swing? All of these great things in here. But I wanted to point this out because when now we're at this song, you know, like track eight on the album, none of the songs previously are cut and paste of anything you've heard before. So we have the song this time, which is not anything that you heard on this album already. And that's the genius of this album. So here is this time and a little bit about it. This song in 2022 went to number 10 on iTunes in Greece and charted in two different countries since 2020 on iTunes. Once again, iTunes, where people were purchasing. The other thing is people said, James, can you explain why iTunes is still important? Here's the thing. Right now, the kind of equivalency for streaming to, you know, a purchase song, one purchase song is the equivalent of 1,500 streams of that exact same song. That's right. So even if you only have 100 sales on that download, that is still worth a lot more than those 1500 per stream equivalent. That's why it's important. 
helps with certifications. Up next, we have a house song. And as many of you know, I was born in Chicago. I love house music. I'm not going to get into the controversy of where the history of house is, whether it's New Jersey, New York, Chicago, Philly. I keep it all separate. I'm just happy that people are still passionate about house music. And I'm not going to go into who released their house-inspired songs first. Not any sort of thing. But what I will say is for Janet Jackson is when Janet Jackson utilized house music, when there was the house remixes from, you know, the Rhythm Nation album from Miss You Much and everything, is it seemed like a natural progression. Janet Jackson is able to, and I'm using air quotes here, sell these songs because it just feels organic. It feels like a natural progression. It doesn't seem like she's trying to chase a trend. And that separates her from many people. Now, Throb, along with Anytime, Place, would go number one in the UK and the US. And number two, on its own, on its own, on the Dance Club songs on Billboard. And it would chart there for 13 weeks. It would also be number one on the Dance Single Sales for two weeks with Anytime, Place. Now, here's what's awesome. In the 90s, Top 40 Radio Monitor on Billboard, the week ending June 12th, 1993, Throb debuted at number 66. And at number 65 was debuting again. But then on that same chart at number 49, Where Are You Now? And the number one spot for its fourth week, That's the Way Love Goes. Now let's fast forward to the 2020s. This song just in 2020 would go number 10 on the iTunes charts in Greece. And since 2019, it would be on six different iTunes charts worldwide. Here is Throb. Go on, girl. Miss Janet. be breaking down some remixes that are not going to be featured in this track by track you're going to find them on my patreon www.theoriginaldoll.com it's going to be coming up over the next couple of weeks for as little as a dollar a month you're able to support the show what's been great is that the funds that have been able to raise through that has been able to keep the show going but also we've been able to put it back into the research by old magazine radio publications databases chart archives and more so if you're enjoying this please do so little as a dollar a month you're able to help us up next, we have something that's a little bit different on this album, because up next we have What'll I Do, which was not produced by Jam and Lewis. It was Jellybean Johnson, and it was a cover. What'll I Do was a cover originally by Johnny Day, and Janet's version would go number one 
In New Zealand, at number two in the UK, it was basically a double single with Whoops Now. It would go gold certified in France with sales over 250,000 copies. And just this decade, in 2021, the song went number six on iTunes in Belgium. And it would chart in two different countries since 2019. This is What'll I Do. Up next, we have The Lounge Interlude and Funky Big Band, which went number 13 on iTunes in Poland in 2019, and it would chart in three different countries since 2019. And once again, this is yet another song that is not a copy and paste of any other song before this. Something different, something fun. Here is Funky Big Band. That's it. Something I wanted to talk about was Janet Jackson vocal skills. Now, oftentimes Janet Jackson gets written off as just a mediocre singer, a mediocre vocalist. And as I said, she's been nominated for R&B vocal performance with other people who are considered, you know, these heavyweight songstresses. Aretha, Mariah, Tony, Patty, and Janet, all nominated in the same category. But I wanted to point out this part in Funky Big Band that truly shows and shines on the vocals of Janet Jackson. Here's a little bit of vocal, I don't know, I call it funkiness, compliments of Janet Jackson. So on an album with That's the Way Love Goes, with If, with Throb, you have Janet Jackson scatting on a song, and it works and it makes sense. And that's truly owed to Janet Jackson's love of music prior to her. Janet Jackson is one of those artists that has no problems talking about how other artists have inspired her. And what's been great is hearing all of these other artists, from Pink, to Maya, to Britney Spears, to Sierra, all of these people talking about the fact that Janet Jackson inspired them. And she, as many people say, is the blueprint. You know, there are these different lanes. Yes, Janet Jackson created her own highway. 
hopping out for a quick second to remind you to join me on Patreon, www.theoriginaldoll.com, and join me on all of my different socials. The way to help build this community is by you letting people know that you like this content. And I truly appreciate all the love and support I've been given from many, many people in the community. Thank you so much. Now, talking about Janet Jackson and the political statements, the social statements, Janet Jackson has never been an artist that has been shy to confront these. Up next, we're going to be talking about her interlude, Racism. Into a world sick with racism. Get well soon. What's been amazing is Janet Jackson created this interlude, and it seamlessly goes into New Agenda with another icon, Public Enemy's Chuck D. I'm a huge fan of his. And the crazy thing is, back in the 90s, New Agenda charted on Billboard. That's right. It would debut at number 66 on the Billboard R&B Hip Hop Airplay Song Charts. The week that it debuted, which was the week ending May 22nd, 1993, as we're celebrating the 30th anniversary, That's the Way Love Goes was number one for a third week. Now, in the second week, New Agenda fell out of the chart, but came back at number 75 the next week. And at that second week that it was on, If was in its second week at number 57, and That's the Way Love Goes was number two. Now, what's truly amazing is last year, I was hitting up the Jan fam worldwide, calling out Sweden and so many other countries saying, hey, let's get these songs up and going. And guess what? In Sweden on iTunes in 2022, new agenda, number one. And since 2019, it would chart in three different country charts. iTunes. Globally. This is just another example of the global icon status of Janet Jackson. And I wanted to point this out because... This, Janet Jackson was creating this album in 1991, 1992. These were subjects that she talked about even previously about racism, misogyny. She talked about that, you know, 1989's Rhythm Nation album. And the crazy thing is how relevant these issues still are. And there are parts in this song that hit me hard, and it hit me hard back in 1993 and still does, where she says, Because of my gender, I've heard no too many times. Because of my race, I've heard no too many times. But with every no, I grow in strength, and that is why, African-American woman, I stand tall. And this is just... To hear Janet Jackson proclaim this in the 90s and still carry that with her, I think it's truly amazing. In addition, Janet Jackson has written before, it's like, don't worry I won't do unto you because you've treated me that nasty way. Talked down to me, didn't treat me as an equal. Does not mean I'm going to do the same. That is this level of maturity that I know I did not have, you know, when this album came out because I didn't get it. But, and I'm I'm open to say that sort of thing. I just, just like, no, you don't like me. I don't like you. You're going to treat me bad. I'm going to treat you bad. And it took a while to kind of, you know, build that skill set in there. And I think it's important to acknowledge those statements in here. So here is New Agenda. It ain't nothing but an us thing. And it's time for us to step it up and respect that level of sisterhood that's been holding up our neighborhood. And if it wasn't for our mothers, there would be no brothers. If it wasn't for our sisters, there would be no misters. So it ain't nothing but a us thing. She's strong and that's a fact. Now it's time for us to take up the slack. Step it up, step it up, time to go to work. In 
Now up next, we have Love Part 2. Now if you're listening, you could hear the sound panning left and right and left and right. And it does it does happen a lot on this album, which is amazing. It's one of those small details you don't really pay attention to. And then when you hear it, you go, oh, I like that. That's the way Now, from there, we go to Because of Love, which was number one on a UK chart. And just in the 2020s, it went number five on iTunes in Bulgaria. 2022, to be exact. And since 2020, it charted in six different countries worldwide. Now, I'm going to be playing a remix, which is the Mug 7-inch with bass intro mix. That version went number six on iTunes in Hong Kong in 22, as well as charting in Russia. Now, I bring this one up because this is the one that I believe is the strongest contender for the Because of Love remix to be added on here. Now, the other remixes, the Frankie and David Dub mix, the slow version, the treat mix, 7-inch version extended version, all those did well. As a matter of fact, many of them charted in Russia just last year, some in Hong Kong. I'm going to be breaking down more of that on Patreon. But I wanted to point out that the Because of Love remix digital EP on iTunes, went number five on the dance album charts here in the United States, number 28 on the dance album charts in Malaysia, number one on the dance album charts in Greece, and overall, number 32 in the Netherlands. This is a testament of the charting power of Janet Jackson, not only of her, you know, singles, but of these remixes. Here is Because of Love, Mug 7-inch with bass intro. I love this version. Next, we have the Wind interlude and Again. Now, Again would go number one in the UK and the US. It would be platinum in the US in less than two months. It would go on and get an Academy Award and Golden Globe nomination for Best Original Song. Be number one on the Billboard Hot 100 for two weeks. The Billboard Radio Songs, four weeks at number one. And Again is Janet Jackson's longest running song on the Billboard Adult Contemporary Charts. Now, here's a little something that's kind of fun. Again, debuted at number 65 on the Top 40 Radio Monitor, the week ending June 12th, 1993. And it did so one spot above the debut of Throb. That's right. And at the same time, Where Are You Now was number 49. And That's the Way Love Goes was spending its fourth week at number one. Now, truly astonishing is that on iTunes, in Botswana in 2019, it would peak at number two. And since 2019, it would go on and chart in over 17 countries on iTunes worldwide. This is again. A wounded heart you gave my- 
received so many messages from many of you about the song again because it hits too close to home for many of us. You know, she starts off the whole song by saying, I heard from a friend today and she said you were in town and suddenly the memories came back to me. I feel like we've all had that moment and this is a testament of the storyteller, the songwriter of Janet Jackson. This whole song is heartbreaking because she's even saying, don't think I can take the pain again. No, never fall again. Kind of late in the game and my heart is in your hand. Don't you stand there and then tell me you love me and leave again because I'm falling in love with you again. And then it ends with her pleading, hold me. Don't ever let me go. Say it just one more time. And I think this is one of those times where Janet Jackson, Jimmy Jam, and Terry Lewis created something that is not so simple. Falling in love and falling out of love. Knowing where you are, being well aware that you can open your heart up and it could just be broken again. And it's this journey we all take. And that's part of this album, bringing us in and connecting with us. Up next, we have another interlude, Another Lover. And we have a song that if you followed me on any of my socials, I talk about the importance of Where Are You Now? Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually be playing the Nellie Hooper remix that was featured on the Janet Remixed album that this remix will be part of the deluxe edition. Now, Where Are You Now? To date, okay, up to 2023 is Janet Jackson's third longest running song on Billboard's radio songs. Do you want to know what number one and number two are? Number one, together again. Number two, again. And so number three is Where Are You Now, which was an album track that was being played on radio. And I'm going to talk a little bit and break this down a bit. But back in the 90s, on the Billboard R&B Hip Hop Airplay song charts, It debuted at number 66, okay? And it would be on that chart for six weeks. Now, here's what's interesting. The week ending May 30th, 1993, it debuted at 26 on the top 40 rhythm crossover charts. And guess what the number one song was that week? That's the way love goes in its third week at number one. And then Where Are You Now in its second week would jump to number 22. In its third week, it would be the air power title of the week. Now, July 24th, 1993, Billboard wrote Janet Jackson's Where Are You Now, which is still charting on the Hot 100 Airplay, was ineligible to chart on the Hot 100 because the song was not available commercially. Now, I looked at both charts because the Airplay, the singles, and ultimately go to the Hot 100. The top 20, there was not much difference in the songs that were on there for the hot airplay to the hot 100. So if they did in fact release Where Are You Now as a commercial single, it would have charted and it would have charted well. And here's some new information. Just in 2021, Where Are You Now charted at number three on iTunes and since 2019 on iTunes, it's been in six different countries worldwide. This is the Nelly Hooper remix of Where Are You Now? I would sooner grow old all alone than to ever have another lover.
Up next is the interlude, Hold On Baby, and the song, The Body That Loves You, which charted uh, in Turkey back in 2019 on iTunes. Now, The Body That Loves You, Janet Jackson had talked about how she'd been inspired by Brazilian music. This is something she talked about in the 90s and recently with Made For Now. And by the way, I interviewed Tommy Parker, who worked with Janet Jackson on Made For Now, Love I Love, The Unbreakable Album. You can go through the old episodes and check those out. But Janet Jackson talked about how she really wanted to tap into that Brazilian sound, the bossa nova sound. Now, Janet Jackson has always talked about her love of global music. She talked about being influenced by so many previous icons. And what I've loved is that this song, The Body That Loves You, fits with that let's let's ease out of this album which is what she did with rhythm nations 1814 but this song kind of makes sense to have in its placement to end on kind of a slower note here is the body that loves you hold on baby let me get you ready This is the Rain Interlude, which charted on iTunes in Sweden and Australia since 2019. Up next, we have Anytime, Anyplace, which back in the 90s went number one in the UK and the US, backed with Throb, its platinum in the United States. It went number one with and on and on on the hot R&B hip hop song charts for 10 weeks. On the Billboard R&B Hip Hop Airplay song, number one for two weeks. Number two on the U.S. mainstream R&B Hip Hop Airplay. And is tied for Janet Jackson's second longest running song on that chart. What's the other song that's on there? What's it going to be with Busta Rhymes? It went number one on the Rhythmic Airplay charts for three weeks. Number one on the U.S. Dance Single Sales for two weeks with Throb. And it's just the fact that the Jan fam, I've been calling out JanFam saying, hey, let's unite. Let's go buy this song on iTunes if you haven't. And I called people of Kenya. I said, hey, Kenya, JanFam, let's get this song going. Well, in 2023 
Anytime, Anyplace went number one on iTunes in Kenya, and since 2019, it has charted in over 17 different countries worldwide. And this is another song where Janet Jackson's remixes have charted as well. The Jam and Lewis remix has charted in over five countries since 2020. The D&D house mix, four countries since 2020. This is a testament of not only the album versions, but the remixes. This is Anytime, Anyplace. Here's something I wanted to add in, that Billboard, the week ending June 11th, 1994, so over a year after the album came out, Billboard wrote that Janet Jackson's double-sided Anytime, Anyplace, and and On and On is far and away the biggest point gainer on the chart, climbing 11 to 3, and its 15 to 5 jump on the Hot 100 singles, well, that just fuels its overall move and is likely to challenge for the number one spot in two or three weeks. Up next, we have Are You Still Up interlude. Are You Still Up? And Sweet Dreams interlude. Sweet Dreams would chart in Spain on iTunes in 2022. And it also had a hidden track in there. Now, many people may know some information about Whoops Now, but I'm just going to play Are You Still Up and Sweet Dreams. And as you can tell, this concept album there's a whole journey and i say concept some people say it some people don't the album starts off with morning and ends with sweet dreams and you take this journey with her these are the two interludes sweet dreams Up next, we have Whoops Now, which in many countries was kind of given a double A side with What'll I Do? That's right, which would go number one in New Zealand, number two in the UK, gold certified in France for 250. 
50,000 copies. And just in 2021, it would go number two on iTunes in Hong Kong. And since 2020, chart over 12 countries on iTunes. Not bad for a song that is a hidden track. And there's a great video on it. This is Whoops Now. Up next, we have a B-side, and this B-side did something truly amazing. Now, this is And On and On, which is one of my favorite Janet Jackson songs. It's one of my favorite summer songs. Now, I reached out to Jimmy Jam about this, and I did a couple videos online about this. So, And On and On was created specifically because Janet wanted Anytime, Place to be a single, but Virgin wanted something up-tempo for the summer. So the compromise was... Let's create an up-tempo B-side. Well, and as it turned out, this ultimately went double A-side. Because this song, and on and on with Anytime, Place" would go number one on the Billboard Hot R&B Hip Hop Song Charts for 10 weeks. And, and on and on by itself, would peak at number 12 on the Billboard R&B Hip Hop Airplay Song Charts, and it would stay on that chart for 19 weeks. That is right. A B-side did that. A B-side was able to stay on the chart longer than some official singles did. Additionally, and on and on would peak at number 13 on the mainstream R&B hip-hop airplay chart. It would be on that chart for 15 weeks. This is And On and On. B-side. This is a song about summertime. May it never end. May it never end. This is a summer of love, and the love will go.
And if you're a Janet Jackson listener, fan, lover of her, you love those ad libs, right? <laughs> where it's those vocal things where like, what did she just say? This has to be one of my favorite ad libs. Up next, we have 70s Love Groove, which was a bonus track slash B-side for You Want This. Now, we already know how well You Want This did on the charts, but 70s Love Groove would peak at number 45 on the Billboard R&B Hip Hop Airplay Song chart, and it would be there on that chart for 13 weeks. I reached out to Jimmy Jam about the creation of this, and he said that this was not created specifically for the Janet album. And for those who don't know, this song was included on the Pret-a-Porter or Ready to Wear soundtrack. Jimmy also said that this song, super fast recording, that Janet Jackson was in and out of Minneapolis in one day. This is 70s Love Groove. Hey, baby. Let me do all the work. Wait, let me put this record on. Next, we have One More Chance, which was the B-side, bonus track, if you will, to Janet Jackson's If. I reached out to Jimmy Jam, and he said One More Chance was one of Jam and Lewis's favorite songs, so they recorded it during the making of the Janet album. But Jimmy Jam said that it didn't fit with the flow of the album, so they said, hey, let's hold on to this, let's figure out where this can go later. Now, this is something that happens a lot, and, and I should say in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. The songwriters and producers who I've talked to, they mentioned that sometimes, you know, you might have again and then a song that's kind of leaning into the again territory and maybe it's really good, but you don't want to do, as I say, copy and paste. You don't want to make it same, same. So they'll sometimes go, you know what? It doesn't quite fit the flow of this album. We know it's a good song. Let's utilize this as a B-side. And it did. And here's what I'm going to say. When this gets released digitally... These bonus tracks are going to be charting, and I'm going to be kind of giving you all that information as soon as I can to honor Janet Jackson and this Janet album. So when you see it, make sure that you follow me on those different, whether it's Instagram, TikTok, or Twitter, and I'm going to try to get the most up-to-date information for the songs on iTunes globally. This is One More Chance. Just remember everything I told you. I 
Up next is my interview with Steve Anderson, who was part of Brothers in Rhythm, who in fact remixed If back in the 90s. And I want to ask you this, which of these songs stood out to you back in the 90s and which now? Now you may say, James, you've given us so much information. This is a lot of information. Well, it is. And I did this specifically for this reason. Oftentimes people try to minimize the success of a woman. Oftentimes they try to minimize success of a black woman. Well, not on my watch. I share the facts and give the flowers. When I've listed all those different genres, there is a reason. Because people can't say, oh, she only did well in the pop charts. Nope. I just read it out loud to you. Adult contemporary, hip-hop, R&B, dance, all of these. And when I mention these countries, it's outside of the United States. When I talked about UK, you know, it, it could be the UK, uh, what they called back in the day, black singles. It could be UK R&B. It could be UK dance. But I wanted to show that Janet Jackson is truly an icon in so many genres. That's why I say she's genreless. And she's a global icon. And as you can tell by the Together End Tour, she's still selling out. Let me know what your favorite Janet Jackson song from the Janet album has been. Now, here is my interview with Steve Anderson. See you on the flip side. Today's guest, uh, many of you know, and many of you have said those questions, so have no fear, we'll go through them, is Steve Anderson. Steve, thank you so much for being here today on the Original Doll Podcast. James, thank you so much for asking me. Um, love the pod, and uh, I've listened to uh, a lot of episodes, and uh, yeah, love your passion for the music, and um, it's really, really great to be here. Oh my God, I love it. And this is what's going to be awesome because you are somebody whose your impact has been, I will say, and not in a bad way or anything, generational. Like you've been around the music industry for decades and working with iconic people throughout this whole time. So we're going to talk about all that. So just thank you for your your creativity and just you know, doing what you do. We appreciate oh, it. You're you're more than welcome. I've had a I've been very fortunate and very lucky to have a, a career and obviously started very young. So uh, that's, there, that's, you're, that's, you're like, I was an infant when I worked. Yeah, you know, I was about seven when I started. Yeah, no, no, it's been wonderful. <laughs> and I and I still get to do it. And it's uh, I never not a day goes by when I don't count myself to be incredibly lucky. So I love it. So let's go. Let's rewind back. You sure. know, when did music become a part of who you are, your journey? When did music start impacting you? Um, I played um, keyboards and piano um, by ear as a kid. I just kind of, my mum and dad got me a keyboard and I realised I could pick stuff off with the radio and I could just play it back. And that carried on uh, into my teenage years. Um, I was a DJ. I loved DJing. I got into mixing, um, working in clubs, uh, incorporating some of the keyboard stuff into that and ended up um, working at a studio called DMC, which was Disco Mix Club. Um, and what was great about that studio is I worked there from, I got the job there when I was about 20. And um, what was amazing about that was that it was a subscription service for DJs for DJ only exclusive remixes, which meant that as I started off doing mega mixes, but um, eventually it went to remixes and it meant that the building was just full of 
what were then called multi-tracks, which will now be called stems, um, of uh, the biggest records of all time. And we were like kids in a candy shop. So um, I learned how to make records by putting up, putting a big two inch multi-track on a reel to reel uh, tape machine um pushing the faders up and hearing how michael jackson made a record or nile rogers made a record or jam and lewis made a record because you could then go in and get the individual parts so i would end up remixing those and and it was literally kids in a candy shop i mean we would we would do a monthly remix album and we would just be asked what we wanted to do so you know one time i just said oh i want to do love action by the human league because there was my record that i bought when i was 11 and um two days later the multi-track turns up and that's how i learned how to make records so that's yeah music was always important to me from an early age and um records and and from the very first time i heard dare um on a school bus in tiny tinny speakers up uh, up in the roof i was like i don't understand how they've done that but i need to know um and yeah from then on it was uh, just a playing making mistakes being allowed to to really just play in studios independent studios where there was no clock there was no no one was charging for the time and we just got to have a ball basically see and that's the part that i love is that early on in your career then you were able to take those those you know tools in the sandbox and just play and and enjoy it and it wasn't we need this mix start at one o'clock be done at three o'clock like that that that's not a realistic thing i believe when you work with creatives the nine to five thing doesn't work well it's like hey steve you're gonna write a song but you're only gonna write but you know this set time if your mind is you know fluttering all the time thinking about all these ideas you can't stop that and i feel like one thing i've learned from a lot of the guests is that the mistakes like you're like oh i get to try something out and make a mistake because the first time you make something, it's not going to be, here's the final, you know, even years into your career, you weren't like, oh, here's the one take, the one time, here it is, we're done. There's all sorts of evolutions happening. Um, so let me ask you this, though. How do you think, knowing to play the piano and things like that, you know, playing by ear, how do you think that helped or even hindered when now you would listen to these, let's say, you know, dance music? and able to kind of rearrange or do your remixes? Did it help or did it hinder knowing music oh, before? Oh, it massively helped because, especially in the age of technology that I was in, which was probably the beginning was the early 90s. Um, if you could play the keyboard, you could play any instrument because samplers were obviously there. So you could then play via the keyboard, the drums, strings, bass, synths, everything. Um, so anytime I ever got involved in any remixing or, or anything I ever do, it starts with me putting my hands on a keyboard and working out what I'm going to do with it, where it's going to go. Um, and I think having the history of music, especially I was, you know, I'm a collector. Um, I've, I've got, you know, I was always buying, spending any money I had on records or CDs. Um, so I've, yes, exactly. A bit like your room. You've got loads of CDs. I've got loads of CDs. But, um, yeah so so having that history was really really helpful and um when it just came to especially the original the old days of the remixes um you kind of had to do that because it wasn't you know these aren't the days of splice and things where you can just import something or download something from the internet there was no internet so you would had to physically just have a keyboard have a sampler 
really limited um, equipment. Uh, and the early Brothers in Rhythm remixes and records were literally done on kind of one sampler and two keyboards and a 16 track tape machine. Um, and and it's insane. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they all were. And I mean, interestingly, it wasn't until later that we, you know, we got into working more in, in bigger studios. But the it's interesting what you say about the uh, the deadline thing as well, because, the, you know, there is an element of a deadline that's good for creatives, because otherwise, you know, we will never finish anything. Um, but I do agree with you that thing of, oh, you've only got four hours to do something that that doesn't really go well with me because with DMC, I, I was allowed to make my mistakes when it mattered, but didn't matter so much as when I then started making records for, for artists and remixing for big artists. Um, then you can't make a mistake. But luckily, everything that I'd done at DMC had prepared me for that. So I was able to kind of hopefully be at, at the best I could possibly be by the, by the time it got to that. So let me let me jump a little bit to because I, I want to point this out the Janet if remixes yes, you know which, brothers which he has them. which is right behind his head everybody yeah, I can right. see it <laughs> um but something like this like can you talk a little bit about because I realized more and more of the listeners were like wait they used to press things in vinyl and that would be kind of before the some single might come out or after because nowadays it's like everything is ready to go with the press of a button digitally. But with you're on vinyl, there is that production time. So a, a situation like this with like the Janet thing, because that was the follow-up to her, that's the way love goes, you know, so, which everyone thought that's the way love goes was such a weird pick to release because it was such a, you know, a slow, I don't want to say ballad, mid-tempo thing. And hmm. everyone, and I know Virgin was like, no, if should be the first single. And Janet, Jam Lewis, everyone was like, we're going with that's the way love goes. So when you started working on if, how early on, or do you recall even at this point, like how long you had before the remixes were released when you first got the tracks, let's say, like the the multi-tracks? Sure. I mean, it would have been a few months for sure, because someone like a Janet Jackson, their their whole campaign would have been planned very much in advance. So we definitely got it. I think we probably got it at the same time as my friend CJ McIntosh got. That's the way love goes. Um, so I think we were doing them at the same. We might have been. I think we were doing it in the same in the same building. I think we were both at Sam West at the same time doing it. Um, but I mean, I'm the the biggest Janet fan, the biggest Jam and Lewis fan in the world, and I'd been lucky enough to have worked on a two or three um, Jam and Lewis tracks before um uh one for Sherelle uh and a, and a few others so um but being brothers in rhythm we we had this idea that we wanted to do we wanted to really test ourselves so we wanted to do like a a kind of street swing r&b mix which we never do we're house people so there was that one that we did um which was kind of just us wanting to really just have fun um and then for the house mix the curious thing about that is these days, um, anyone that understands anything about technology and, and things like Ableton and Logic, these days you can put an acapella into a, a, a program and then you can go, oh, it's 105 BPM. I want it to be 120 BPM. And you just put it in and it goes, yep, and it's done. But in those days, that technology didn't exist. Mm. So to speed up if what we actually had to do is, and this is where it's probably going to get really boring and technical, but what we had to do no, is... trust me, the listeners love this sort of thing. Oh, okay. So what we had to do is physically vary speed. So like speed up actually the tape to the fastest that it could go. So actually 
she so the the vocals were kind of very high pitched like kind of squeaky that kind of thing and then trap pitch change the vocals back down to the original pitch which is kind of what the technology does now but then it was an eight i think called an h2000 harmonizer and we'd have to do that for every single vocal because you could only do one vocal at a time and you know that janet's got a million backing vocals so that process in itself before we could even start work on it took about four days um and then i think we did the prep for the house mix we would have we always used to do the prep at dmc studios um and just work out where we were going to go and i again i put my hands I would the, when the thing was at the right tempo i put my hands on a piano and we got a basic beat and i just played the first thing that came to my mind um which was the reharmonization of the chords and stuff that just what i heard and it was kind of our sound as well so we we sort of well it was i say it was ours i mean we it was ours with hints of so many of our um, heroes like Clavillas and Cole and Frankie Knuckles and David Morales and Tony Moran and all these brilliant American remixes that we adored. Um, and we were worried a bit because obviously it's such a fast vocal on the original. We were really worried that it was going to be too fast with the verse specifically. But actually it was really cool when we did it. We, that's why it's not as fast as it, it's for a house record it's quite slow but we picked a tempo any faster than that it it felt like it was wrong um and then we took it into we did the basic production then took the multi-tracks into the studio we always worked at which is called psalm west which is trevor horn's studio um and went into the mix room there and then turned it into the 12 inch so the whole piano intro and all that kind of stuff and then mixed it on you know on the, the beautiful ssl uh, as we did all of our stuff um and added the extra polish to it and uh that then became the house mix and then we took the tapes off of that and then put this r b mix on which was so much fun we were trying to sound like jade i think or someone like that it was don't just... walk away jade <laughs> that's kind of what that's kind of where we were i don't Love know why, i don't even know why we did like we didn't have to do it but we thought it's janet jackson like, when do you get the opportunity? Um, and we'd done, I think by then we'd done Michael already. I would link, we'd done one Michael. And we're like, this is, how are we going to not, like, we need to do two mixes. Three, probably, because we almost certainly did a dub. So, um, so yeah, but it is, it's a funny one, that one. Um, so many people come up and, and cite that as one of the favourite things, of their, their favourite things we've ever done. Well, that was, we actually have, Tracy from Germany, she said that your If remixes are by far her favorite remixes from Janet Jackson and Michael Jackson's discography. So wow. please let them know that even almost 30 years later, these songs are so good and I'm never going to meet him in person, but I want to let him know, hey, this was great then and great now. Excuse my French. Wow. No, no. Well, thank, thank you, Tracy. And I mean, I take that as a huge compliment because my favorite remix of anything by anyone of all time is the Clivillas and Cole remix of Black and White. So to be in that category from Tracy, that's incredibly great. And also um, Tony Moran's history mix is is extraordinary as well. So um, thank you, Tracy. That's very kind of you. Well, and and here's what I think is is amazing is like the Janet thing is still to me I would say early in your career. Mm. Do you know like and oh, the it is, fact. Yeah. 
And the fact that you're working with, and Janet, that Janet album, I've been sharing facts and things about that Janet album back in 1993, 1994. That album did things that many albums could not do. You know, she was, yeah. she was also known for, here's seven singles from one album. Let me stretch that album out for three years. Mm. But at the same time, Janet is one of those multi-genre artists because she was hitting the dance tracks while she was on the R&B radio, while she was on adult contemporary. Yeah. And, you know, I talked about there's there's a couple B-sides on the Janet album, the song, you know, and on and on and 70s uh, Love Groove, where these songs, they weren't even on the actual album, but they were charting on radio because mm. she had that power where they're like, here, go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it, it was not, I mean, again, and it was 94, we were very lucky that we'd had a, a fair amount of success. And we, there was a guy called Rob Manley who worked at Virgin, who was one of our best friends who'd come up from the club promotion guy to the sort of A&R. And um, yeah, they, they, that was one of the best calls I've ever had. Do you want to remix Janet Jackson? I mean, come on. Were you like, um, let me think about it. Yes. You yeah. send the multi-tracks now. Well, it was, and it was that Trinity after doing, especially my having Michael and Janet, you know, we did want to be starting something we did. Who is it? And then having, yeah, it, we just felt that that is, um, yeah, we'd kind of arrived. We were pretty chuffed. And if you're enjoying this, there is more with Steve Anderson. Just go to wherever you're streaming this back through the episodes and you'll see Steve Anderson's name on several. Now, I just want to let you know, this has been fantastic and amazing and there's going to be more coming very, very soon. So follow me on my socials and join me on Patreon, www.theoriginaldoll.com. My name is James Rodriguez. I'll see you on the flip side.